Hi, uh, welcome to the new voting project. My name is Con your host, and today we're here with Zach Malamud, who's the co-founder of Student Voice, an organization dedicated to help students acquire education justice, and also the founder of The Next 50, which is helping fuel democratic leadership across the United States uh, through various fundraising causes. I'm sure we're going to talk about that today, but thank you so much, Zach. I understand you're very, very busy uh, in, the, in this season. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. No, thank you for having me and for the work you're doing. It's uh, it's a privilege to be here. Oh, I think it's a privilege to have this conversation. Um, so yeah, so yeah, let's get started. Um, just with a quick question, uh, talk a little bit about your background, education. Um, it's my understanding you went to UMD, so you can talk about that a little bit and and how college kind of prepared you for this trajectory. Of, of politics and somewhat campaigning and just helping fuel social justice causes. Yeah, sure, no, of course. So I grew up on Long Island in New York. Um, and, uh, you know, I got to be honest with you, I went to one of the best public high schools in the country and I was not satisfied with it. And, you know, I it got to a place where I had to imagine, like, if I wasn't satisfied, if I didn't feel like I was being fulfilled or my needs were being served in one of the best public high schools in the country, well, how is everyone else faring in schools that perhaps are not perceived to be or ranked as one of the best in the country? Um, and that's when I started to recognize the privilege I had. Uh, like despite my frustrations and the challenges, I, I started to acknowledge that across, I started to connect with peers and friends across the country and understand the educational circumstances they were in and how fortunate I was. Uh, but then I also realized that, hey, who are the greatest experts uh, on the experience that students are having in the education student? Uh, students themselves. Um, and so uh, that's that's what led me to start uh, Student Voice, an organization to help students advocate for equity in education. It actually started by building an, a community online. Uh, we, we I met a bunch of folks from Fargo, North Dakota to, to Ferguson, Missouri. Um, and that's, I think, the, the opportunity that we were in probably back in 2012 was like online community was just really being built in a way uh, that allowed for folks to connect from backgrounds, different backgrounds across the country. Um, and, uh, you know, that's what built empathy in my life. It's what fueled my desire to help service others and uplift the voices of others who don't have the opportunity to have, have a voice. And it's actually, you know, going to my time at UMD, what, what I spent my four years on. I built Student Voice into a national education organization. Um, and I chose to also craft my own, use my own student voice, so to speak, to craft my own educational experience in Maryland, uh, where I got to create my own major uh, in uh, uh, um, civic engagement. You created uh, your own major. my own major in civic engagement and media. That's pretty uh, important, no? Yeah, I mean, look, it was, uh, it's something you have to work for, but it also meant I got to curate my own educational experience, right? Mm. And in curating my own experience, I got to, Spend more time on student voice, um, but I also got to explore the political interests that I had that you now see me pursuing with the next 50. Uh, I wrote my uh, university capstone on why I thought new media would make populism the political establishment, really predicting that Donald Trump would become president um, and acknowledging the fact that, you know, it's young people who really do fuel uh, movements across the world, movements for change. Um, and I felt like, you know, if Donald Trump was going to be elected president, we needed to start investing in our young leaders here in this country um, who could uh, work to combat a lot of the hateful ideology that, that he preached. Yeah, no, that's great. No, that's absolutely. The fact that you were able to just, like you said, curate, create your own educational pathway. And yeah. then through that, 
just have the ability, the outlet of just working on a cause that actually makes a lot of sense. Because just to be clear, I'm a student and I'm wanting to pursue those leadership avenues. And I can tell you from personal experience, it's difficult to even get in the room, much less get a seat at the table. Yeah, that's where the privilege comes from, right? It's like I, I always say one of the greatest privileges I had was growing up in and around New York, well, around New York City, because the access that I had to people uh, what was, was greater than I probably would have had elsewhere. But what's different now is that you don't need to meet. I mean, look, we're living in a Zoom world. You and I have never even met in person. Um, and so, uh, you know, what we do, we, we have greater connectivity than ever before. Um, and yes, I got to create my own major. Um, and, and build my own educational experience around that. But what I'll say to anybody listening to this who's a student who's like trying to build their own pathway is that part of allowing for me to be successful both um, with my major, uh, but also my professional pursuits has been uh, relentless focused. I have, I, 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 you know, in, in the work that I do, it's not like I have 50 side projects. This is my this is my thing. Student voice was my thing. I didn't get an internship during college, which is uh, um, maybe not an advisable move to everybody. But I felt like we had momentum to build off of, and I, and I did that. Um, and uh, you know, with the next fifty, um, it's been relentless focus on this work that makes it. Uh, I mean, at times, honestly, hard to have a social life. Um, trust me, I have I have my social life here and there, but um, focus. Uh, on building something new from the ground up um, and, and, and a determination to get through the challenges of building something like that. Uh, it isn't easy. I don't want anyone to think this work is easy, man. I've had some tough and demoralizing days, um, but I, I believe in the work and I've seen the results of it. And uh, now part of my job is to share the story of it so that others believe in it, buy into it and help scale that vision. Uh, so that it's not Zach's organization, but rather an organization that's, built by and fueling the next generation of political leaders in, in the United States. Yeah. And let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what you're doing right now with the next, yeah. when you described it to me, I thought it was pretty innovative. Um, and I still think it is. So, so, you know, the stage is yours. Yeah. Well, you know, 50 years ago, conservatives came up with a plan to win and by all measures they've won and they've won by investing in their young people leading up to the election of uh, president Trump, former president Trump. Uh, conservatives spent three times as much or 500 million more in their young people. And in any election that Trump has not been on the ballot, they've actually received a steady increase in the share of young people turning out to support Republicans. We actually saw that in the re 2021 a gubernatorial race in New Jersey and Virginia, where the share of young voters uh, for Republicans increased drastically, if not made a difference uh, in Virginia and, and close the gap in New Jersey. Uh, these are states that have been blue or have been trending blue. Uh, and yet young people uh, are not the voting bloc to be taken for granted. But also I want to acknowledge the fact that over 50% of those in Congress under the age of 50 are Republicans. And so we have this, this notion that, oh, young people means Democrat or young people means liberal or progressive or whatever it is. But in terms of representation in our leadership positions, actually young people tends to mean Republican because Republicans don't take their young leaders for granted. They invest in them. They make sure they have the resources to run and win no matter the background that they come from. And on the left, you know, uh, or on the Democratic side, we, we don't have that same infrastructure in place supporting our young leaders uh, when they choose to step up and, well, let's say in our instance, run for office. Um, and so the next 50, uh, we're focused on building a more representative democracy by investing in the next generation of political leadership but also cultivating the next generation of political donors, because we think that young people uh, have a responsibility uh, to be, build that habit of investing in our politics. 
only about 2% of U.S. philanthropy in 2016 went towards political giving. Yet our government controls over $8.5 trillion in budget that can go towards solving hunger and homelessness and improving our healthcare access, et cetera. And so all the money, 98% of philanthropy that goes towards charitable causes, I'm not, this is not a dig on charitable causes, rather it is to say that there's a significant yield on your investment in politics if you invest your money effectively in leaders that can actually uh, you know, move the needle, build and sustain majorities that, that represent your values. Right, and, and so have you had any I mean, at least now you're looking at the 2022 primaries and you're looking at the general. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the campaigns or candidates that, that you sure. are a growing interest in? Well, I'll tell you, last year we raised over $4.7 million from over 17,000 donors as an organization in partnership with many others across the country. Um, and a good chunk of that went toward investing in, in young leaders. Um, right now we've announced uh, that you know we have uh, endorsed 12 folks uh, running for everything from state legislature to uh, to the U.S. Senate, um, and so we're we're really excited about in in this group of candidates that we've announced, and we're about to announce another batch shortly. Um, is that they are they don't come from your traditional backgrounds. You have two daughters of refugees. You have uh, a son of. Uh, 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 union workers and who comes from one of the poorest zip codes in the country and the most incarcerated. Um, and you've got a woman running to become the first person to represent her state in Washington. Uh, we're talking about the last state in the country, Vermont, that has never elected a woman to Washington. Mississippi was the second to last. Every other state in the country has elected a woman to Washington. Um, we're talking about somebody who's working to make history as the first black person to represent Arizona in, in Washington and become the second youngest black person ever elected to Washington, period. Uh, and so and we're talking about somebody who's the first Latino ever elected to the state legislature in North Carolina. I mean, the first, the list goes on and on and on. But these are, we're not just backing people because they are the first or because they're representative. That all matters. That's all part of the calculus. But they're also running in some of the most consequential and competitive districts and states in the entire country. And so when we ask you to spend your dollar on politics, we don't want to just have you spend money on someone who inspires you and moves you. Yes, we want that. But we also want you to spend your dollar on places that will move the needle and building power that will allow us to realize uh, the change on the issues that we care most about, like climate, like gun safety, like health care, uh, et cetera. Um, making sure we all have decent paying jobs and a dignity of work. That comes by electing the right people to office, but also comes when we invest in the right places. Um, and so what we really try to do is bring those two together to build the pipeline of leadership uh, in the places that will um, be the most transformative and a positive way, of course, for, for American lives. And this next generation of Americans, too, of course. I'm sold. I mean, I don't really know what else to say as to that's I mean, if I could curse on this channel, I would. Uh, but no, that that sounds great. Um, that, that actually sounds really great. The fact and it's not even when we when we first spoke, it was more we're focusing on communities where a lot is at stake. Yeah, it's extremely use the right word. It's extremely consequential in the sense that we're not going to, you know, democratic states uh, with super majorities. We're going to rural communities. We're going to places where representation has not been effective and should be. Uh, and we're investing in young people to uplift those communities. And that's really the crux of the argument to me, which is that is what we should have been doing uh, for, for many decades. And we have not And so, we're, you know, we're behind. 
you know, this is the, the, the hare and, and, and the turtle, but we're behind and, and we need to catch up. Um, and, and I think what you're doing is, is one of the, one of the best ways to counteract that. Um, in addition to fueling more civic engagement, um, and, and, and just young people just also the, the point of this channel, which is young people need to vote and young people need to have access to voting, um, and start that habitual cycle. I think one of the greatest lessons that I mean, we, we can all learn from how conservatives have built power over the last 50 years is that political power is not built overnight. Yeah. And so, you know, I think our politics of late and maybe perhaps our media environment too has provoked a lot of us to be reactionary or impulsive in how we take political action, civic action. Um, and yeah, there are a lot of short-term consequences and it comes with a lot of privilege to say that we need to build power over many years because there's a lot of people struggling right now um, who have needs right now that many are, uh, of those needs are life or death um, uh, for their families. And, uh, you know, they build, they're about building foundations for their communities. And, and that's part of why we invest in districts now that help us build power now, right? That's super important. And at the same time as young people, um, Jeff Bezos has this quote that I often paraphrase. Um, and it goes something like the greatest competitive advantage that Amazon had was the long time horizon that they were working on. And politically speaking, as young people, the greatest advantage that we have is the long time horizon that we can work on to solve some of society's greatest challenges. And in order to achieve that, again, political power is not built overnight. Big things don't happen unless we have big majorities. And big majorities take time to, to develop. And so that's what the next 50 is, is investing in, is investing in the long-term trajectory of individual leaders investing in places where we can build majorities, build sustainable majorities and build large majorities that allow us to get big things done. Uh, and so, yes, there's a lot that needs to get done right now. Lives are on the line. And so we're focused on that, but we're also focused, uh, uh, relentlessly focused on how do we build long-term power such that, uh, you know, we benefit uh, and the, to the greatest extent, the lives of your, your everyday Americans. Yeah, no. I'm sold. Y'all hiring? <laughs> oh, we're trying to raise the money to hire more. That's for sure. That's true. Um, now, I want to shift. You've kind of mentioned this a couple of times in the sense that um, for me, when I got started in politics was the post-Trump election, right? Kind of woke a lot of people up, woke my generation up in some ways. Um, I want to talk about, I guess, the most recent presidential election in 2020 and just what your reaction was to that and, and, and what, what solutions, I guess, um, now we're looking at voting rights issues, you know, Congress refuses to, to act on the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Advancement Act. You know, yeah. we have these pivotal key pieces of legislation and this idea that the United States has struggled to, to really guarantee civil rights for the last 200 years. Mm -hmm. um, and now we're seeing this kind of hyper-polarization occur in our political sphere. And as somebody who is kind of focused on, on you know, devoting assets, devoting resources to, to counteract it, what is your reaction when you see things like the 2020 election playoff? And then, of course, your predictions for the 2022 primaries in general? So tying this back to my story, you know, I was really moved to become civically engaged. So I grew up outside uh, of New York City uh, on 9-11. I remember the ashes coming over my town the next day. I remember hearing about how my father had to walk home from the city and got picked up by a Tropicana truck and driven home because that was, that was the only way. 
Um, but what I also remember are the people who the next day and the weeks after went to ground zero to clean up the ashes, clean up the rubble, um, and, uh, and and volunteered to help those who, who lost loved loved ones or were injured in, in the in the in that on the tragic day. Um, and so for a long while, my politics began became governed by fear, fear that that moment would happen again. But really what I, I've come to learn and what I've really uh, taken away from that day now is that what moved me that day wasn't the fear that it would happen again. What moved me that day was the idea that that, that people stepped up to do something, to help their, their peers, help their, help their community recover. And uh, I came to realize that I didn't want my politics governed by fear anymore. I want my politics to be governed by hope. Uh, and when, when I saw you know, Donald Trump uh, running for office in 2016 and then win in 2016. Um, and then I saw children detained at the border and separated from their families. I, I, I recognized that my politics were creeping into being governed by fear again. And I wanted to find an avenue for hope. And that hope came by investing in uh, building a community of people who cared about you know, fixing what I felt like was our, our, our deteriorating democracy. Um, but also investing in the leaders who would help us get there. I always say to people that the days may, ahead may be dark. They may be darker than today, but there's always another side. And as a Jew, a Jew who had families who died in the Holocaust, I can tell you, I know that there's always a brighter, better, greener side uh, to dark days. And uh, we will get there. So when I see what's happened and transpired after 2020, um, yeah, some of it is, 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 demoralizing because you know we defeated uh trump we defeated trumpism in 2020 uh but i always bring us back to 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 a sense of you know i try to put this in historical context when we passed the new deal one of the greatest most transformative pieces of legislation in american history democrats had over three quarters control of the u.s senate when we passed the great society we had about two-thirds control of the U.S. Senate. And uh, when we passed Obamacare, we had about 56% control of the U.S. Senate. Right now, we are dealing with the slimmest, slim majorities. And when we passed uh, legislation to help us recover from uh, COVID, when we passed the infrastructure bill, the Biden administration has accomplished more and done more to transform America than any presidency with a slim majority as President Biden has right now. And so in, in what we've accomplished so far, I find a lot of hope that Democrats have come together despite our differences and accomplished so much for the American people, and yet we have so much more yet left to accomplish. More will be accomplished with bigger majorities. That's the reality of it. We need to be winning in places that we haven't won in a while. You know, back in, 20, uh, in 2000, I think, eight, I believe we had U.S. senators on the Democratic side, and I, I could be off on a couple of these states, but in North Dakota, in South Dakota, we had senators in Arkansas, Missouri, who were Democrats. At some point, we had senators in, I think we had a senator in Alaska. These are states that Democrats don't even dream about trying to win these days. But that's how we built a majority that allowed us to get things done. Transformative, big transformative things done. And we need to realize that like what we're getting done now is substantial progress. And the only way we're going to make more progress is by winning more, 
We need to win more. We need to make a, have a message that resonates with the American people. And yes, voting rights matters. I mean, I know in Georgia, voting rights is a huge deal. But I got to tell you, every day Americans don't wake up and say, think about their right to vote. Every day Americans wake up and they say, can I put food on the table? Can I feed my family? Can I pay my rent? Can I pay my bills? Can I take care of my family's health? These are the things that matter on a daily basis to Americans. Fundamental to our democracy is the right to vote, right? Um, and uh, the reality is, while some of our, our right to vote has been rolled back, we have a greater right to vote in, in this country, across this country, than, than we had uh, you know, 50 years ago, greater than we had over the majority uh, uh, of American history. This is not to suggest that this is okay. These circumstances are okay. We have work to do to build off of uh, the progress made before. Yes, we've taken some hits, but success comes with big majorities. And that is not what we have right now. And that is why we are suffering. Uh, Americans refuted Trump. They didn't give Democrats a blank check to write to support all the issues that we care about. And, and that's unfortunate, but we need to do the organizing work. We need to do the electoral work to get us to a place where we can get some of those things done. And I believe we will. It will take time. There may be darker days ahead, but I promise you, I've seen it before. I've seen it again. My family history will suggest as much. There are brighter days on the other side of the darkness. And I, that's what we're working for. And someone needs to build for those brighter days. Because if not us, someone else will. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. You should run for office. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that it'd be better to elect dozens of young people across the country in the districts that matter and then to just elect myself to office. Perhaps the day may come, but it is definitely the greatest privilege I tell everyone, if I had a billion dollars right now, I'd be doing exactly what I'm doing, no matter how stressful it is. I would say it would be less stressful because I could fund the work, but <laughs> I, I believe in this and I believe in the people we're investing in and it gives me energy every day to wake up and do this work. Exactly. So I think the, the best thing is to just be born a billionaire and then things will work out. <laughs> uh, but you don't need to be. I wasn't born a billionaire. I don't know that you were either. And we're here doing our part. And, um, you know, uh, it's good to have to work for and earn uh, the resources to do this work. At the same, some, same time, sometimes it's more challenging than it should be. And I'm just fortunate to be in a place where I have the, the folks who are helping me do this work um, with a great team uh, to elect a great, and you know, this next generation of leaders. Um, it's a privilege and a good fortune to be in this position. Um, I, I look forward to continuing this work for a long time to come. No, that sounds great. No, I just, I want to thank, thank you for coming on the show, for, for, for giving us the insight. Thanks for giving me the platform. Thanks for the work you're doing, being interested. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, people, I feel like we need to, to uh, create more interest in these kinds of things um, and really ensure that we, we have those brighter future, um, the bright future days ahead of us. Um, but I just want to, you know, shout out you. This is your chance to kind of plug your social media and your candidate. Sure. Anybody you want to say, I will link in the description. Uh, please, please go visit. Yeah. Join us at the next 5050.us. Uh, you can find the next 50 US on Twitter uh, and Instagram. Uh, and remember, 50, when we say 50, it's 50. Um, and uh, you can also find my personal Twitter account, uh, Z A K M A L. Uh, and uh, happy to connect otherwise through there. Uh, so thank you uh, for, for providing this forum and uh, for the work you're doing to uplift uh, uh, voices like, like mine and, and the work that we're doing. No, absolutely. You're always welcome back on. 
um, and and then just keep fighting the good fight. I think I'll I'll join you there too. Hey, you're in it by doing this work. You're in it. Uh, we're in it together. Absolutely. All right, Jack. Take, Take care. care.